service. Praise the Lord. There we go. Y'all ready? Well, I'm excited about what the Lord's doing here at Faith Builders Church. Amen. I see some beautiful new faces today, and we're so glad that you're here and a part of what God is doing. And our church has been growing rapidly, and we know it's because he has his hand on it. And so I just, if uh, our first service is the same exact service as this service, so because we're getting so capacity here, um, we are outgrowing second service, which is a good problem to have. Amen. And uh, we have so many new people visiting, and the uh, statistics of church growth is if you're 80% full, you're too full. People will drive in the parking lot and drive away. It's so unfortunate we have to live in statistics, but we do. And so if you would like to join our first service or if you're promoting faith builders, please invite them to 9 o'clock, and we want to just pack that service out, amen, with people that are going to receive Jesus and get filled with the Holy Spirit and touched by His presence, and um, then we can do a third service after that. But let's just get that 9 o'clock service full. Amen. So if you can commit to that, it's the same exact service, same worship, same word, same Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And uh, you can be a part of that. So I am uh, starting part two on our series, and I started a series called Selfless. And uh, last week, the first topic was about being bold in our witness. And uh, it was a very challenging message, I think, to all of us, including myself, of learning to be courageous and being bold and sharing the gospel of Jesus. And if you weren't here last week, You are able to jump online and listen to all of our teachings online for free on our website, or you can download our church app, which is even better, and you can listen to the teachings on there. And these four teachings that we're going to do are all going to culminate and come together. But I believe that the Lord is called, I believe, the American church, but especially faith builders, because we pastor here, amen, uh, to reach the lost for Jesus, that we're coming into a season where God is preparing his church for the great influx into the kingdom of God. And so as I share these messages on being selfless, I don't want you to feel like it's correctional because this isn't a correctional message. It is an instructional message, and it's completely different because instruction prepares us, amen? If you buy something new, you you should read the instructions first and how it works. So as your pastor, I'm really feeling challenged by the Holy Spirit to equip us to be ready for the harvest of the kingdom of God, amen? And so my second message today is on selfless, and the title of this one is called Faithful in Our Service to God. Last week was being bold in our witness, being faithful in our service, and before I go any any further, I felt very prompted while I was standing down there in worship, I felt a, a, a grieving in my heart that there's some people here this morning that feel like, feels like your life is insignificant, And you feel like you don't have any worth or value or reason. And the Lord wanted me to tell you today that he values you and that you matter. And where the enemy has come in to make your life feel like you are completely wiped out, that is a lie and assignment from the enemy. And he wouldn't be hitting you so hard if you didn't have purpose. You just have to get that so in your heart. And so I just want to stop and pray for just a minute on that. Can we do that this morning? Father God, I just pray for anyone here struggling, maybe in this room or watching, with insignificance, God, any failure, Lord God, or any suicide thoughts that would just want to take their life. Father, we bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. We take that theme captive by the Holy Spirit, and we drive it out of their hearts and their ears. God, they matter. They're worthy. They're valuable, God. They're a treasure in your heart and in the kingdom of God. And I pray that right now you'll saturate them with your love, with your presence, and with your purpose. And God, for the remainder of this service, let 
them feel the tangible presence of an all-loving God, Father God. They will find their purpose and they will find their reason on earth. And we decree that in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And amen. So I'm going to be talking to you about faithful in service this morning. And I think as, as we begin to share, it's going to give you a more understanding of what God's called you to do in the kingdom of God. And you may not feel like you have a lot of worth or value or have a part to play in the kingdom of God, but we're going to unlock that today. And I want to show you that. Amen. So I'm going to start off with a story. When I was in high school, I went to the same school from grade school or from kindergarten up to high school, through high school. And I, was, I had a reputation as the girl who was always talking. I know that surprises you, but I did have that reputation. I was always the kid in class that got in trouble. The whole class could be talking, and guess who would get yelled at? I would get yelled at because I have this dominant voice. It's very loud. You can hear me everywhere I go. So I was known as always talking. And so my, my uh, year, I was going into my freshman year of high school. I was excited to meet my teachers. So I went classroom by classroom. And they're like, oh, we've heard about you, Barb. You're the one that's always talking. And it was true. Still is true today. And I remember my typing teacher, she, uh, I was in the back of the class. And that was when we had the old school typewriters. Anybody remember those? You had to go... Cling, cling, <laughs> so awesome. Kids don't even know what they're missing out on today. And you had to have a paper, and if you messed up, you had to put a whole new piece of paper in it. Or if you mastered the correction paper, you could put that correction sheet in there. You know, it's old school, everybody. And so I'd be in the back of the class. I had my own community back there. It was like a social club. And so I got in trouble for always talking. So she moved me to the front of the class, and guess what I did? I talked, and so I had my own friendship up there. So she, in front of the whole class, said, Barb, I could put you in a room full of four walls, and you would talk to the walls, because you're always talking, right? So I want to ask you this morning, if someone was to describe your actions of life, what would they say you're always doing? He's always doing this. She's always doing that. What would others say of you, amen? They might say things like, man, they are always encouraging, or they might say, all they do is gripe and complain. It's not the people sitting in this room. It's those watching on TV. Amen? Someone might be always fault-finding, or maybe there's someone who's always finding good. Maybe there's somebody who's they're always playing video games. Every time you're trying to find them, they're playing video games. Don't poke your husband next to you. It's okay. Maybe there's someone who's always sharing their faith, and that's what they're known for. Or they're always on Instagram, and every time they're on there, you can always find out they are Instagram people. What would they say that you're always doing? My message this morning is on being selfless. And it's unfortunate because all of us are aware that we live in a culture that is selfish, right? We live in a culture that it's all about ourselves, what's self-serving, what's self-gratifying, what's self-promoting. On social media, it's this uh, time in the culture which social media is wonderful, but it's also damaging because we're all looking to what's the next rung that I can climb up on that ladder. There's a spirit that's in the culture today that unfortunately has become about us and not about others, amen? And God wants us to switch that culture up, and there's nothing with promoting yourself. I love getting out there and putting my videos out there. And so again, this isn't correctional. This is instructional to maybe look at areas of our life. Have I become so self in, um, selfish in my life that I'm always looking about my needs and not looking to the needs of other people. Amen. And that's where we're going to go this morning. So I decided to get on Google and I'm a Google queen. I do everything Google. And I thought I'm going to Google self-promotion. What can I find on being self-promoted? And I found hundreds 
and hundreds of articles on how to promote yourself. And uh, one of them uh, that I found was, number one, the art of self-promotion. Six ways to discover, have your work discovered. Nothing wrong with that, right? Sounds like a great article. Number two, self-promotion is a skill article. If you want to be good in society, you have to learn how to promote yourself, right? It's the culture that we live in. The third one is an article that you might want to send to your friends. You can Google it. And it says 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. (laughs) Self-promotion is a skill is what society tells us, and we need to learn how to be good at it. And it's so unfortunate because it's so prevalent in our culture. It's so alive and well that they did a a survey on teenagers, and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What kind of career are you looking at? And do you know that 54% of our young people said, I want to be a celebrity. I want to be a YouTube star. Because they've been so inundated with the culture that says you have to promote yourself. If you're going to get anywhere, if you want to do anything, it's about promoting yourself, right? And it's so sad, and we have to change that philosophy in the kingdom of God. Again, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but we have to also be mindful of what God's called us to be and do as the church, amen? There's this quote or this word that came out. It was like the buzzword the last couple years, and it's the word goat. Anybody know the word goat. Has anybody heard the word goat before? They're such a goat. I had to look it up too. And it means this, the greatest of all times. I want to be the goat, right? They're such a goat. They're the greatest of all times. And unfortunately, that mentality is self-centered, it's self-promoting, and it's self-oriented. Amen? And the problem with that is because it's inundated the culture of the church, Jesus teaches just the opposite of that. Jesus said, if you follow me, you don't promote yourself. And we studied last week out of Matthew 16, 24. He said, if you're going to be a follower of me, the first thing you have to do is deny yourself. Pick up your cross, right? He's saying, when you become a follower of me, you've got to die to your desires and your ways. It's the opposite of what the world's trying to make us do. Jesus said, follow me and I'll seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you, amen? We have a kingdom principle that God wants us to live. And he says, I want you to be selfless. I want you in this time where I'm about to reach the harvest for my love, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then it goes on to say, then follow me. And why does God want us to do that, to punish us and live an empty life? No, God wants you to enjoy life. But on the other side of denying yourself is somebody's life that's going to be touched by Jesus. On the other side of sacrificing yourself and your time and what God's called you to do, some marriage is going to be changed and restored. You don't know out of the act of obedience to be a servant of Christ and be willing to give of yourself how it's going to affect someone's life excuse me, how it's going to affect their children and their children and who they're going to affect their aunts and their uncles. There's something amazing on the other side of you serving and denying yourself. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to be great, don't promote yourself. And I want to look at Matthew 23, verse 11. And it says this, the greatest among you will be your servant. See, Jesus is saying the goat, the person that is the greatest among you is actually the one that I'm inviting to become the servant and become a a leader of 
Christ, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, he's asking us to deny our way, get rid of our selfishness and our self-centeredness, right? And he's inviting us to what? Become selfless. Something I want to share with you this morning is service. serving is not something that we do. When God calls on you to maybe help a widow or God calls on you to maybe take cold bottles of water and love on the homeless people, I don't know what act God is calling you to become a servant in the kingdom of God. But he's saying serving is not what you do. A servant is who you are. I'm not a servant, and it's not beneath me. It's not beneath my call. I'm not too great to go lay hands on somebody. I'm not too special. No, I now become the servant because it's who I am. When you have Jesus, you take on the nature of Jesus, and Jesus was the greatest servant of all. Can you see how why the world wants us to get wrapped up in ourselves because we're not giving it away? We're not looking for the hurting and the broken. We're so absorbed with where we can go instead of being absorbed with this world that needs Jesus, this world that needs love, amen? And I'm gonna teach you some ways that you can apply this today that will awaken you to fulfill your purpose in Christ. So remember, a serving is not something we do, it's who we are in Christ Jesus. We are a servant to the very core of our creation. I know as I was praying one day over our church and I was just driving and I was thinking of all the beautiful people that serve in this church. And it just, I said, God, you amaze me that you will put in the heart of people to take care of your house, to come in this house and clean it, and to put up chairs and take down chairs. And we have gentlemen that showed up at the Bible study, and they stood on guard for us to make sure we were safe. And we had our Bible study, and we prayed for these women. And then these men came in, and they put the chairs back up, and they took out all our crazy furniture to make the house of God run. We've got greeters that make the house of God run. We have children taking care of our, our teachers taking care of our babies to make the house of God run. Amen. And it amazes me that God will put in the heart of his people. And if it wasn't for the people, we wouldn't have a church. Just see why God wants us to be less of ourselves and more about him, amen, to reach. We have to fight the culture today. We have to fight that resistance to be all about us and be more about lifting up the name of Jesus. I want you to repeat this after me this morning. Say, I am a servant of the Most High God, and when I serve others, I'm serving Jesus. Let's say it one more time together. I am a servant of the Most High God, and when I serve others, I am serving Jesus. See, whatever you do, nobody may see, nobody may know, but God does. And when you're serving that person, when you're giving sacrificially, when you're sowing into making our building beautiful, whatever it is, you are doing it for Jesus and not for men. Amen? Serving is not what we do. A servant is who we are. So what are you always doing? Let me ask you that this morning. What are you always doing? What are people saying that you're doing? I want to look at Acts chapter 9, verse 36. And this is a story in the Bible that you may have read over and it really may have not had an impact in your life or you've completely missed it. But this is one little story in the Bible, one little few verses that is so powerful to change the perspective in what God's called us to do. And in verse 36, it says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. 
Now, today, Dorcas might get in a lot of trouble in school. She has one of those names that probably was given a hard time, but her name actually meant gazelle, and we don't know a lot about Dorcas or Tabitha. The word doesn't share a lot about us, about her, but she was the first Greek female mentioned in the New Testament, and she, the scholars called her a gazelle, so it's very popular possible she was a beautiful, attractive woman. But all we know about her is what this scripture says, and it says that this woman did what? She was always doing good and helping the poor. See, when you learn about Tabitha, you don't learn about anything she was wanting for her life, any of her own desires. She was known for always doing good and helping the poor. And when you study a little bit about her, you find out that she was sewing clothes for for, for the poor people. She had a little bit of money, and she took what she had, and she helped the poor. She also was known for caring for the widows. The widows were all ordained by her beautiful clothes, um, wore her clothes, and we find out in this story that her ministry was so popular, and she was making such an impact in her city, that when she died, the, the leaders of the city said, we heard Peter is in the city next over called Lida. Somebody go get Peter and bring him back, because we need to raise Tabitha back from the dead. Why? Because she's making such a difference in our community. We need her help. We need her heart in our city. And so Peter dropped everything that he was doing, showed up at at Ajopa where they were, and when he walked in, hundreds of widows were surrounding her body, grieving and moaning because of her loss. Hundreds of widows were affected by a young woman named Tabitha. And there was so much grief that Peter drove everybody out of the house, got all of that unbelief out, and he looked at that dead, lifeless body that was prepared for her burial, and he whispered in her ear and said, Tabitha, wake up. And Tabitha rose from the dead. Why? God brought her back because she had purpose. She was making a little difference in her little city. Maybe everybody didn't hear about her difference, but her city was touched. Her community was touched. And when Paul raised her up from the dead, he took her out to the city and said, she's just sleeping. Revival broke out in that town. A spark of revival, and people gave their life to Jesus because one woman said, I'm not going to worry about what I want or what I need. I'm going to take whatever I have, and I'm going to be a servant of the Most High God, amen? And I'm going to make a difference. I want my life to matter that, listen, if I go, somebody calls somebody to wake me up, amen? I want my life to matter that much, Jesus, even if it's just cold water bottles for the homeless people out there in this 117-degree weather. We can awaken something inside of us to make a difference, amen, and change someone else's life through it. Thank you, Jesus. So instead of being self-promoting in her attitude, she was selfless, and she she used what she had to make a difference in everyone else's life, amen. So let me ask you this this morning. How do we become a faithful servant? How do we do that? Maybe you've not been spoken into over your life where you are important. You know, maybe you can't sing like these great singers up here. I've always wanted to do that. God knows one of these days, supernaturally, I'm just going to sing for you all. It's going to be so anointed and powerful. Revival's going to come, right? That's at least my make-believe world right there. But maybe you don't feel like you can make a difference in sing. Maybe you don't feel like you're a great Bible teacher and you don't really know the word of God. And you're asking God, how can I make a difference? Well, I want to share with you this morning three stories in the Bible, easy, simple stories where you can find yourself in life to make a difference. Amen. 
I'm going to name the three of them first, and then we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about bring a lunch. God could ask you to bring a lunch to make a difference. It's going to challenge you to offer a ride. And the third one we're going to talk about is carry a towel, which is my favorite one that we're going to share this morning. But I'm going to start out this morning with bring a lunch. And in this portion of the story is King David. We all know about David. And David was a, a great king warrior. He was brave. He was a war hero. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. Amen. And he rose to notoriety in the word of God. And if I was to mention to you today, what is David known for? Who can shout it out to me? Just shout it out. Goliath, that's right. We have this idea that David was so great because he defeated Goliath. But actually, before he ever got to defeating Goliath, he did something first that we forget in Scripture. The Bible says that David was great because he brought a lunch. I'm going to show you where in the Bible. He brought a lunch before he was the warrior and the hero. If you look at David's life, he was so faithful behind the scenes. David played heart for Saul, played the heart to calm Saul's rebellious, evil heart. David was always doing the right things behind the scenes. And maybe you're here this morning and you're so faithful behind the scenes. Maybe you're that faithful intercessor that nobody ever knows you're in your prayer closet, lifting up this church, lifting up souls to come to Jesus. Maybe it feels insignificant to you, but to God it is not. Because God always looks for the field experience alone with God before he'll make you great, amen? And maybe you're not looking to be great, but God is looking for you to make a difference. He was promoted into the kingdom of God because why? He had the heart of a servant. David was willing to do anything, anytime God called him to do. So where we find ourselves in this story before he defeated Goliath, David was the one son of eight brothers, you know the story. David was out in the field tending sheep while all of his brothers were trying to be promoted as king. We know David gets promoted as king, but he doesn't take his throne right away. And so all the brothers now are getting ready for battle. Goliath showed up on the scene. The big bullies there. They had been preparing. And David's father comes to him and asks him something. And the father said, I need you to do something. But listen, it may not be that important to you, David. But it's important to God. See, whatever God calls you to do, it may look like it's not important, but you don't know what's on the other side of that obedience. And if you look at 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 18, says this, one day Jesse, his father, said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report to how they are doing. To David, this might have been so insignificant. You want me to take a lunch to my brothers and I'm king over them? But see, God wants you, before you can fight and win in the battle, he wants you to be willing to carry a lunch. He wants you to be willing to do things that seem insignificant. He wants you to do things that maybe nobody will ever see here on earth, but one day will be seen in heaven. There may be somebody that you don't know you reached out to and love or paid their groceries or helped win someone to Jesus that that whole family got saved and you never knew it, but they end up in eternity. And you go into heaven and God says, look at the fruit of your life. Just by being obedient, just by sharing Jesus with that one family, just by giving someone cold water, you don't know what's on the other side of that insignificant call of God. Nothing is too invaluable to God. Cleaning a church is not beneath, not beneath me. You'll find me cleaning back there all the time. Well, Pastor Barb shouldn't be doing that. It's God's house. 
Nothing should be beneath anybody to build the kingdom of God, amen? Be willing to get out there and work with the babies and do what's necessary. We have, we have a guy in our church that shows up twice a week and takes care of all the flower beds. And you don't even know who he is. And he's not paid. And he comes every week and does maybe an insignificant task. But maybe somebody dries up and sees those beautiful flowers and it draws attention to the cross. And they walk into this church, never saw the church sitting there. Flowers seem insignificant, but God knows the tool that it takes behind that obedience. Somebody comes in here, then they give their life to Jesus. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. See, there's so much more happening on the other side of our servant's heart than us just working for God. We are servants because of who we are, amen? So said, I want you to bring this lunch. Are you willing to do what seems insignificant when it isn't visible to others and it feels like it's behind the scenes? We live in a society where we're looking for that next ring on the ladder, aren't we? It's so sad. We all get caught up in it. The way to get promoted in the kingdom of God is to never self-promote. It's by serving. Everybody say serving. 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 Doing the part God's called you to do, not what everybody else is doing. What is one part that you can play in your community, around your home, inviting someone to lunch, taking time out and taking someone to coffee and just sharing Jesus with them, giving hope and life away when it's not comfortable for us, amen, when it's inconvenient for us in our busy lives. But what is God asking us to do? He's asking us to bring a lunch. Bring a lunch to someone. Do something that's insignificant that could change their life. And then what did David do? God had him there and he showed up on the scene. Then he killed Goliath. Then he took all the behind the scenes where he was with God and worshiped God, and he destroyed Goliath and cut off his head. But it didn't happen if he didn't carry the lunch. Amen? Second thing we're going to talk about this morning is offer a ride. And I love this story. And if you'll study back in Zechariah 9, chapter 9, it is a prophecy that will not come to pass for 553 years later. Can you imagine being that prophet? You're like, I prophesied it. He never got to see it fulfilled. 553 years later, Zechariah prophesied this. A king would ride into Jerusalem humbly on a donkey. Humbly, a king. If you think about a king, what does a king do? A king came through the town in a white horse, the greatest horse right? A king came through with servants escorting him, a beautiful robe, a crown on his head. But Jesus didn't come like that. He came humble as a servant. He didn't come to say, here I am the king. He came as a servant to serve and not be served. He's coming again as king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to split open that eastern sky on that white horse. But he came the first time, and all he asked his disciples was what? Find me a donkey. Find me an unridden donkey that had no value and worth as a king, but Jesus wasn't looking to self-promote. He didn't have to shout who he was. All he had to do was be the servant. And so he charged his disciples and said, you're going to go to this town, and you're going to find an unridden donkey, and it's going to be tied. And if anybody asks you what happened, say this. Go to Luke 19.31 says this, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. See, if you look at this study of this story, this was a donkey that had never been ridden before. It was probably a businessman that owned the donkey because it was um, 
uh, a big thing to own a donkey. You had to have a lot of money to own one of those. But we never knew his name. We never find out what he did for a living. We didn't know how many donkeys he owned. He maybe owned the one. He maybe owned five or a hundred. We don't know. But what we do know is this guy said, yes. He, did, he said, the Lord has need of it. And he said, yes. What is God looking for, from for us? When he says something to do, we want to say, yes. Not God, why? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to go through that? When this man knew that maybe this was like a a really wanted donkey, he didn't say, well, let me think about this. This has never been ridden before, right? This has low mileage. It has all the upgrades on it. It's got brand new hooves. We're talking about some bling bling, some value in this donkey. He didn't try to capitalize on the moment. Donkeys were valuable, but he said, if the Lord needs it, I say yes. And who knows if he really knew the value of that donkey was going to ride down the coming Messiah, down Jerusalem. His yes led the Messiah down to the cross, amen, the celebration. You don't know what's on the other side of why God's asking you to do something. Only response we should have is, yes, God, I am willing to give. I am willing to make the sacrifices so that you can be lifted up. Why? Because I am a servant of the Most High God. Not to be seen by man, amen, but to lift up Jesus. How can we become a faithful servant of Christ? Bring a lunch. Simply offer a ride to someone. Give something away that you don't understand. That gift made way for Jesus. How powerful is that? Think about that. That gift made way for Jesus. I posted a picture a couple days ago on my Facebook page, and it was a couple of watches. And back in like 19, I don't know, it's 92, I was just trying to guess, we were starting our first church in Beloit, Wisconsin. My dad pastors overseas three faith builders for the new people here. The first one was in Beloit, Wisconsin. We call it our mother church. And my dad said, we're going to raise money to build a sanctuary for people to come to Jesus. And a bunch of us bought these watches. They were $100 each. I bought a his and a hers. And they were in the hope in the Lord chest. <laughs> Put them away and tucked them away. And so I pulled them out. I'm going through all my stuff. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what a great memory that we raised this money to bring people to Jesus. And I posted it on Facebook. And I'm like, whoever remembers it, I don't even think those oldies are around anymore. I don't know. But I found some people on there that Pastor Paul said, well, I wasn't there at that time, but thank you for making way for me to come to Jesus. And it clicked. That stupid $100 watch that I never even wore that's really kind of unattractive, that $100 brought in Paul and Jennifer to the kingdom of God, who are building the kingdom of God right now, sacrificing. It brought Mike and Denise, our other elders, to the kingdom of God. It brought all of our new pastors and elders. It brought all of you to Jesus. It made way for Jesus. One obedience, one stupid $100 bill for an ugly watch that went in a box didn't matter about the watch. It was about being obedient to the yes to make way for Jesus here on earth. Do you see how big this picture is? We live in this little kingdom box, and it's so much bigger. Our yes to the babies and to love that baby and speak Jesus over that baby that maybe doesn't get that that at home. 
and you dedicate that baby to Jesus in your little arms. You don't know 25 years from now where they're maybe preaching the gospel or they're a missionary or they're a great mom themselves or one day they're going to go to heaven and they'll win their whole family to Jesus. You don't know what impact you're going to have in winning one woman to Jesus Christ who's being abused by her husband and God sets her husbands free and they get reunited and you don't know what God is doing on the other side of our yes. Amen. See why the world has enraptured us to be internal? It's so deceptive, isn't it? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. All that will find its way. Amen. The third one I want to close with this morning, which is my favorite, it's carry a towel. And this is the most powerful picture that I found in the New Testament that gives the greatest example we could ever have. And just, be, just before the Passover, this is Jesus and his disciples. Just before the Passover was about to happen, it was a Thursday night. There was a secret meeting happened in the upper room. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus is coming on assignment at this Last Supper. He knows he's about to lay his life down. He knows he's about to suffer greatly in a big way. And as he's getting prepared for his disciples to show up, all the crazy disciples are on the way. And you know what the Bible says that they were doing? They were arguing back and forth on their way to the Last Supper. They walked into the upper room, and they were all arguing with each other. And Jesus said, what are you all arguing about? And their argument was about who is the greatest. Who's the goat? Who's the goat? Can you imagine John the Beloved? Like, I love John the Beloved. He's like my dude. I can relate with him because I love Jesus so much. But here's John the Beloved that probably started off with going, hey, I'm the one that Jesus loved. You know, John wrote, if you think about how annoying John really was, John wrote a book about himself in second person that said, John is the one that Jesus loved. Over, John is, wait, John, you're writing the book. Quit talking about yourself. So imagine Peter hearing John act all this love, and Peter's like, I don't need all that love. Hey, when you all were in the boat, I at least got out of the boat. I walked out to Jesus on the, on the water, and then somebody else said, yeah, but you fell down after three steps. Well, that don't really matter because he picked me back up. That means I'm his favorite. And then Bartholomew says, hey, I'm going to be his favorite. And they're like, nobody even knows you're a disciple, Bartholomew. I mean, who knows Bartholomew? Seriously, who knows about Bartholomew? Nobody remembers Bartholomew. And all this was going on, all this ruffling was going on. And there sits Jesus, knowing he's about to lay his life down. And what happens? He looks around the room. And he sees all this pride. He sees all this selfish ambition. He sees all these things. And he's saying to himself, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And he looks around the room, and Jesus does something so amazing. He walks away from the table. The Bible says he takes out his, take off his outer garment. He picked up a towel, put it around his waist. And he walked over, and he grabbed a, bas- a basin. He filled it with water, and as they're bickering about who's the greatest, he got on his knees, and he began to wash their feet. The Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God said, I am not too great to serve. I am not too great to humble myself and wash your feet. And something you have to understand about that particular experience was when you would show up, it was customary, when you would show up at their houses, a hostess would receive their guests and their feet would be dirty and they'd be hot. And the first thing they would do, the host would say, I would like to offer you to wash your feet. 
but the host would not wash the feet. That was disrespectful. The host would call the servant, and the servants would come and wash their feet. But Jesus was saying, I'm not here to be the king. I'm here to be the least. I'm here to love you and lay my life down. John 13, four through five shows us this story. It says, so Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. We need to learn to carry a towel. We need to learn to humble ourselves and not be so about what we want and what we need and be others conscious, amen? If you think about Jesus, he stopped what he was doing, but think about who Jesus is today. Jesus is the son of God. He's the bread of life. He's the prince of peace. He is the living water. He's the light of the world. He's the great high priest. He's the lamb of God, the living stone, the righteous judge. He's a true vine. He's the king of glory. He's the chosen one. The Bible says he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega. He's our redeemer, our rock, our sanctifier, our, our righteousness. And that man was kneeling on his knees and he was washing feet. Jesus knew the greatest among you is never a self-promoter, but what? He's always a servant. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. What does God want us to do? He wants us to bring a lunch offer a ride, and carry a towel. A servant is not something that we do. It's who we are, amen? I am a servant of the most high God. And when I serve others, I'm serving Jesus. Nothing is beneath me, amen? Nothing is greater than me. And Matthew 25 says this, that when we go to face Jesus in the last days in his coming return, he said, when we get to heaven, he's going to put all the sheep on the left, and he's going to put all the goats on the right. And he's going to say to the goats, I'm sorry, but we don't know each other. But he's going to say to the sheep, welcome into the kingdom that I have prepared for you. Welcome. And God's going to say, thank you for all that you did. That's what the Bible says. Thank you when I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Thank you when I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Thank you when I didn't have clothes and you clothed me. Thank you when I was sick and you prayed for me. And, and we're going to say to them, I don't know what you mean, Jesus. When did I do that for you? When did I pray for you? When did I clothe you? When did I give you something to drink? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of them, you did it to me. When you did it for them, when nobody was looking, when nobody cared, when you labored and you sacrificed and you gave, God says, you did it for me. They're in heaven because of you. They're serving me because of you. Their children are serving me because you sacrificed. You say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? This life is a vapor. And who can we touch because of Jesus. When you welcome someone to the church who maybe didn't look like they deserved welcoming, and you welcome them anyway, and you showed the love of God, gave, came to Jesus, amen? The kingdom is less about us and more about people. 
wanted to close with this this morning. We have to know, have a revelation. The kingdom is never about self-promotion. It's about servanthood. Amen. And I want to give this great suggestion to our church. Is find somewhere to serve this year. Find some place in the community to be giving of yourself every week where we're not so self-absorbed. We have our 7th Street Food Pantry that ministers to hungry people every week. They go to the veterans every week and love on them. We have our Polynesian Praise Ministry that goes out to the orphans and the children and loves on them and gives Jesus to them. We have ISIS that we support children in Iraq to rescue them from their parents. They become orphans because their parents were killed by ISIS. And we, Victor Marx goes in and rescues them. Get involved with something. If you love to teach, get in there and teach our babies. If you love construction, go look for something to build in the church. I won't stop you, I promise. If you want to paint something, paint it. You want to plant a flower, plant it. You want to give us some palm trees, give us some palm trees. I don't know what the voice of God is, but you have something to give to this world away. And it doesn't have to be on this platform. Trust me, you don't want it anyway. Go secretly and do something for Jesus, amen. Do something nobody sees. The Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Amen. It's a challenge to our church. And when you do that, when you say, God, I'm going to serve somewhere in the church or one of these ministries that we know is a good ministry to get behind, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Give me eyes to see the need of the people that are before me. Lord, break my heart for the things that break yours. And when you say that prayer, God, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you, the Lord will show you a need. And what you're going to do is say in the morning, I am your servant, and I will say yes, Lord. Your call to God will be, I am on call, God. I will obey you, and I will say yes. Say, Lord, prompt me by your Holy Spirit. Prompt me throughout the day. Show me somebody who maybe needs their groceries paid. Show me a widow that maybe I need to go help them with their yard or love on them or just send them a word of encouragement. Amen. Whatever's in your heart, say, Lord, show me, and the Lord will show you. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servants. Amen. Serving is not just what we do, but it's who we are. Close your eyes this morning. Father God, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you, God, that you are. This is a selfless church, Lord, and I know that. And I thank you, God, that they are just looking for this place to give, awakening, God, their purpose here on earth. God, they are valuable, and you want to use them in the most special ways. And, Lord, I pray for the heart of obedience, Lord. We have ears to hear your spirit, God. Remove our selfish ways, Lord, living in our little bubbles for ourselves every day, God, 24-7. And awaken us, Lord, to live for the world and the needs. Let us become the least, Lord God, so that we can bring people into your kingdom. Lord, trouble our hearts for the things that trouble you. Show us by your spirit, your purpose and plan. And with all eyes closed this morning, and maybe you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, 
And you might be just coming back to him because your heart was pressed by this message and you just need to get things right. Maybe you're coming to him for the first time. And I want to tell you, it's not just saying these prayers that's a magic potion. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is the Lord of Lords and you need a Savior and you are not perfect, but you need the perfect one to come into your life. And if you can connect to that in your heart today, I want all of us to say this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And Father God, awaken me. Allow me to hear and to see the assignment before me. And I will say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.